0: The Kingdom Rock Network presents the ministry of Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life in Bremen, Georgia. Are you looking for a church home or simply a weekly message that will revive your spirit? Each week, Pastor John Butler delivers applicable messages that will refuel your spiritual man and bring a new desire to your heart. Here's Pastor John Butler with this week's encouraging message. Acts chapter 2. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. We'll start with the first eight verses and then jump to 11 and 12. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were, staying in Jeru- they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this, this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Now, jump down to the last half of verse 11. It says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? If you would bow your heads with me one more time. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for the opportunity to break the bread of life. Now, God, I pray that you would help us to set aside any preconceived notions or ideas. Help us, God, to hear exactly what your Spirit wants us to hear today. Lord, you said seven times in in two chapters in the Book of Revelation, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." God, I pray that we be the fulfillment of that desire of your heart today. Help us to hear what your spirit has to say to us today through your word. I pray, God, that, that it would go into our hearts, into good soil, that it would take root and bear great fruit in our lives because your kingdom work must be accomplished. Lord, I pray and I humble myself now and I confess to you and these people today that I cannot do this without you Lord, I need your enabling power of the Holy Spirit to make my thoughts your thoughts and my words your words. And Lord, we know that you will get the glory from everything that's accomplished through your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated today. Well, today is recognized around the world as Pentecost Sunday. Any church that follows the liturgical calendar uh, is going to celebrate Pentecost today. I, I had a chance to talk to my brother yesterday who is a, a Methodist pastor, United Methodist pastor, uh, just a few miles from here. And, and we were talking and he, he found out I was preaching about Pentecost today. He said, boy, I'm going to make a Methodist out of you yet. Because we were following the same calendar. He was quite excited. But it, it, is, uh, it is Pentecost Sunday and, and it is part of the Jewish calendar, at the event that they called the Feast of Weeks so or the Feast of the Harvest. The word Pentecost literally means 50 because it was the 50th day since Passover. Now this year's Passover in the passage that we just read was particularly significant because it was on the day of Passover that Jesus was crucified. The Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world had been sacrificed on Passover day in this year. Now, following his resurrection and his glorification, Jesus had returned to earth to spend about 40 more days with his disciples after he had been crucified and rose from the dead. Now, for the last 10 days from the passage that we just read, the previous 10 days, about 120 of the 500 that saw Jesus ascend into the heavens had been gathered and staying in a place called the upper room which is going to be very similar. It was very similar to the place where they had the Last Supper together with Jesus just 50 days before. Now, it was on this day, the day of Pentecost, that Jesus chose to pour out His Holy Spirit, forever changing the lives of people who love and serve God. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of deep and theological reasons why it had to be on the day of Pentecost. Uh, We won't discuss any of those today. And I'm sure that it is significant that, it, that, that there was symbolism involved in it being the Feast of Weeks and, and that point to and proclaim deep spiritual truths about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we won't be talking about any of those today either. As I started preparing for this message, it became apparent to me that what needs to be accomplished today is not some academic explanation of the principles of Pentecost It's not some emotional response to the power of Pentecost, but it's a true and authentic and relevant understanding of the purpose of Pentecost. The purpose of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told those who were gathered on the Mount of Olives that they would receive power after the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now the word that he used for power is a Greek word, and many of you know this, but the word is dunamis. It's dunamis. It's the, it's the Greek word where we get our English word dynamite or maybe more specifically dynamo. Because this power is power with the ability to reproduce itself. It is power with... with, It's explosive power. It's power that can change a landscape. It's power that can make a way where there is no way. It's power that are never going to give up. It's never going to give out. It's never going to give in. It's an eternal, endless, everlasting power that's given to us as a free gift from God. It's the very power of the immortal God, but it's given to us in a package that we that can be housed in a mortal human. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the power that hovered over the face of a void earth, and when God said, let there be, there was. It's the power that swept over Ezekiel's dry bones there in the valley and it made them live again. This dunamis power that we're talking about comes upon us after we receive the Holy Spirit, after we experience what Jesus called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the question that, that I have to ask this morning is, why in the world? Who in the world wouldn't want that power? Who in the world would not want that experience? Why would anyone ever not want to receive what Jesus said was for every believer? Well, I think I understand that the, the answer to that question, because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have asked the question. <laughs> I think I understand the answer to that question because I've struggled with it and dealt with it in my life as well. But I'd like to explain it to you with using an analogy, if that's okay. It's not a perfect analogy, but I think it's, it provides a context that we can relate to. Now, nuclear energy uh, has long been touted as, as the wave of the future. Nuclear energy is the way that w- that, we, th- that most people believe that we're going into the future. Since scientists first discovered how to manipulate atomic particles, then then uh, things have changed rapidly for us. Our lives have been forever changed from agriculture to medicine to industry and business to the space program. It has been a revolutionary thing for us to be able to deal with nuclear energy, but there are some people who are against it. I mean you just mentioned the word nuclear energy. You you even discuss putting up a nuclear power plant somewhere and people have a fit. Man, they freak out and they protest and they picket and and they petition and they lay down in front of bulldozers and they chain themselves to trees and they just go to any extent that that they can go to to prevent that from happening. And, And I have to ask myself, why is that? Why do people have that kind of response to something that's so positive? And I think the reason is they don't understand the purpose. See, nuclear energy has to be used in a particular way and for a particular purpose, When it's used properly, when it's used for its intended purpose, it's absolutely a positive thing, and it's a huge blessing to mankind. Now, before you flash back to high school science, let's go back to the original question. Why would anybody not want to experience the power of Pentecost? Why would anybody not want to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I believe the answer to that question is the same to the answer of the previous question. I believe it's because they don't understand the purpose of Pentecost. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was given to us for a particular purpose. But I'm afraid we've gotten so caught up in what we term Pentecostal worship that we forget that that's not why Jesus said He was sending us the Holy Spirit. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of that in its proper place, but we've got to get back in this Bible and we've got to find out what the purpose was in the first place. It's the same reason we're so concerned around the world about Iran and North Korea. The United States and its allies, nations all around the world, are willing right now to put boots on the ground to do whatever it takes to fight a war to prevent them from having access to nuclear power. Why is that? It's because we don't trust them that they'll use it for its intended purpose. I fear that most Pentecostal churches in North America have become spiritual North Koreas. Over and over again, we've demonstrated that when given the most powerful, inexhaustible power source in the world, the Holy Spirit, that we won't use it for its intended purpose. And so we've lost credibility with the rest of the world. That's an important issue because if we don't rediscover the purpose of Pentecost, if we don't put it back at the heart of Pentecostal worship, if we don't put it back at the center of everything that we do, then we'll begin to enthrone how we worship instead of who we worship. I've been on staff at a Pentecostal church for 21 years, and I've I've seen a lot in those 21 years. I have seen the power of the Holy Spirit overwhelm, Entire congregations at one time. I've seen people healed. I've seen lives transformed. I've seen I've seen people minister to in the altars. I've seen uh, people run the aisles and shout and praise God because of what He has done and what He is doing in their lives. And I will defend to my last breath the authenticity of that experience and their right to celebrate God and to do what it, whatever they want to do in worship to the Lord. There is absolutely an authentic move of the Holy Spirit that we have to understand and we have to buy into. It's right there in the Word. It may not be your deal, but you don't know what some of these people have been through. Maybe God hasn't done for you what He's done for them, so I don't judge. They can act however they want to act as long as it's glorifying God. I'm okay with it. All right? But, I have also seen people do foolish things in a service and blame it on the Spirit. I've heard them say things that border on heresy in the name of whipping up a crowd and getting some desired manifestation that they're looking for. I've seen evangelists shove people in the floor and say it's the power of God. I've heard people talk about what a powerful move of God we're having when as far as I was concerned, God wasn't within a country mile of what was going on. Listen to this. When we remove the purpose from the center of Pentecostal worship, but we continue to operate as if nothing's changed, then we turn our focus on ourselves. Our services become little more than Christian entertainment. We even call them Holy Ghost parties. And we pat ourselves on the back for what a great service we had while right outside the door of the church, across the street from the church, across the street from our houses, people are going to hell and we don't seem to care. Something is wrong with that picture. There is a purpose for Pentecost, and I'm afraid we've lost it. Now, I'm not angry this morning. My heart is broken because we have the opportunity in our hands to change the world, and we're just entertaining ourselves. I'm concerned about this this morning. Because I've got two children myself. And I want to see them know what it's like to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. To see the Holy Spirit work in their lives. I want them to know what the true, authentic move of the Holy Spirit is. But they've already seen so much junk. They've already seen so much that's unbiblical and unscriptural. And it's not authentic. And it's not real. That I'm afraid it's left such a bad taste in their mouth. That they're not going to have anything to do with Pentecost. It's an important thing to, to talk about this morning, and I'm not the first person to bring it up, and it's hard to talk about because everyone, can, especially when we consider that we've got so many wonderful men and women who have, who have dedicated their lives through blood, sweat, and tears, who have endured harsh persecution from people who didn't understand to pave the way for me to do what I'm doing this morning. And I don't mean any disrespect to them whatsoever. As a matter of fact, it's because of my respect for them and what they did, and what they endured, and what they suffered that I feel compelled to bring this issue up on Pentecost Sunday. The reason that I'm bringing this up is because usually when you when you discuss this issue, one of two things happens: either People get very defensive. They don't want to talk about it. And they double down on their resolve to continue to do what they've always done. Or they decide to keep the name but abandon the principles of Pentecost. There are churches in our denomination where you cannot speak in tongues. They will not allow it. Churches of God. The oldest Pentecostal denomination in the world where you they will not allow you to speak in tongues. Because they saw the same things that I saw, but rather than try to find a biblical solution, they just threw the baby out with the bathwater. There's got to be a way for us to maintain our Pentecostal distinctives, but, but without falling into the same behaviors that's caused, caused much of the world to distrust us. There's got to be a solution, and I believe the solution is to revisit the purpose of Pentecost. And so so what is the purpose? That's the that's the hundred thousand dollar question this morning. What is the purpose of Pentecost? And it's quite simple actually, as most things in the body of Christ are. We make things way more complicated than God ever intended them to. Isn't that what the Pharisees did? Isn't that what baffled everybody in in the Old Testament and the times of the Gospel? The Pharisees had taken a very simple set of commandments and they had added so much junk to the top of it that people couldn't find God through it. We've done the same thing. The purpose of Pentecost is very simple. Jesus told us about it in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Let me see this first scripture. This is Jesus speaking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses... In Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's King James, it's branded in my brain. And to the ends of the earth. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall do what? You'll be witnesses. You'll be witnesses. What is the purpose of Pentecost? It's for us to be witnesses, to have the power to be effective in witness. What do you mean witness? What does that mean? Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, what it means to be witnesses. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And look at this promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, I have all authority. So now I'm commanding you to go and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. Preach to them. Teach them what it means to be followers of Christ. That's what he means when he says, be a witness And then he says to him, but don't worry about anything. I know you can't do this without me. And I know you know I'm leaving. But I promise you I'm not going to leave you. So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so that he'll not only be with you like I've been with you, but he'll be in you. See, Jesus Jesus is not like Congress. He doesn't pass laws, but don't give you the, the resources to carry them out. There are no unfunded mandates in the body of Christ. When Jesus tells you to do something, He's going to give you the resources to do it. So He gave them a command. Go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them how to obey everything I've commanded you. Oh, and by the way, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the power to carry out what I just told you to do. He told us what to do, and then He gave us what we need in order to do it. Now, how do we know that's what He meant? Because even after they were given their orders, the Great Commission, Jesus had one more order for them, and that's in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Let me see that scripture, please. Acts 1 and 4. On one occasion while He was eating with them, this is after His crucifixion and resurrection, is in the 40 days that He was with them after... Uh, after, that, after he was crucified. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard of me speak about. The fields were white for harvest. Jesus had prepared them to work Jesus had given them all the skills that they needed. He had shown them and demonstrated for them how to do the work of ministry. The, the world was ripe because that's why Jesus came. The fullness of time had come. It was time for the work of the church to begin. But Jesus didn't say, go. He said, stay. He said, get to Jerusalem. And don't you dare do any of the work of the ministry that I've already ordered you to do until you receive the promise that I've told you was coming. We can, and, and you know what? Nothing's changed. We still can't do the work of the ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do the work that God has called us to do unless we operate in His power. Now some of you are thinking, or, or do you mean to tell me that people can't preach or teach or serve or do ministry without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Let me answer you that question back to my analogy. Some of the things we use nuclear energy for are actually possible without it. We were doing those same things before the onset of nuclear energy. But let me point something out to you. You may be able to do it without nuclear energy, but you won't be able to do it as well. You won't be able to do it as easily, and you won't get the same results as if you would using nuclear energy. You can still attempt to date items that you find from archaeological digs, but your accuracy is going to suffer if you don't use radioisotopes. You can still check oil and gas pipelines for leaks without nuclear energy, but it's a whole lot harder. You've got to drag out x-ray systems or use some other more primitive system to do the same job. You can still produce electricity without a nuclear reaction, but you're not going to get the same results. One ton of uranium, which is the fuel for a nuclear reaction, one ton of uranium will, get, will produce millions of times the electricity that a ton of coal will. Millions of times. The results, when you use the proper energy source, the results are, are astronomically improved when you do it with the right energy source. Operating in God's power is always better than operating in human power. Pastor Shane quoted it when he was praying. This is Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord. Well, that sounds like what he told them to do in Jerusalem. If you'll wait upon the Lord, what's going to happen to you? You're going to renew your strength. You're going to mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. You ever seen an eagle perched on top of a a fence going... (sighs) Man, that flying stuff's hard. I've never seen an eagle panting. Never seen an eagle resting. When you mount up with wings as eagles, they're operating on a whole different level than everybody else. They're not getting tired. Why? Because they know how to soar. They know how to do it without having to expend so much energy on their own. They're using a power source that some of the other birds are just not equipped to do or just not able to do. If we'll wait on the Lord, then our strength will be renewed and the results of the ministry that we're able to participate in is going to be astronomically improved over what we would do if we try to do it on our own. Look, the truth of the matter is this. If we're humble enough to admit it, there are just some things we can't figure out on our own. You have, to, you have to be humble to admit that. You, you. have to. But at some point, you can keep beating your head against the wall, but when you're tired of bleeding and when you're tired of your head hurting, then you'll be honest with yourself and saying, you know what, no matter how smart I am, no matter how much experience I have, no matter how much wisdom I have, no matter how much education I have, there are just some things that I can't figure out. We need the power of the Holy Spirit In our lives, the Great Commission is too big of a goal to depend on our own strength to see it accomplished. We've got to have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and direct us and reveal to us what to do next. You realize that our job is to reach the whole world with the gospel. That's what He told us to do. The whole world. We can't even, we can't, we can hardly get together and have one community service between the churches once a year. We don't communicate well enough in the body of Christ for us to be smart enough to figure out how to reach the whole world with the gospel of Christ. We need the omniscience of the Holy Spirit to do that. If we'll just all do what we're told to do by the same source, then it's His business to make sure everything's covered. That's the only way that I can think of for this mission to be fulfilled. We've got to depend on Him to tell us what to do and how to do it. If we'll just listen and obey, then we'll be able to fulfill the call He's placed on the church and more importantly, the call He's placed on each, of us, each one of us individually. Because you realize that God doesn't call organizations. He calls people. Each of us individually have been called for a kingdom purpose. I told you after worship, just a few minutes ago, before, I think, maybe that was the first service, I don't know. All All my life runs together. When you talk for a living, sometimes you don't remember who you said what to. So Psalm 139 says, Before you were born, every day of your life was written in God's book. He already had a plan for you from the foundation of the earth. You have a kingdom purpose. If you didn't have a kingdom purpose, why are you still here? If He didn't save us to do something, why didn't, as soon as we say amen from the prayer we pray, dedicating our hearts to the Lord, why don't He just snatch us up? It's not like He don't have the power. Why don't we just get saved and get gone? And there are days, but that sounds like a pretty good plan. But if we are here, it's evidence to me that we have a purpose to fulfill. And we better be about the business of finding that purpose. There's a video, and you have to crank the volume up because of the, of the rain. There's a video I want to show you. It's only three minutes long, but, it, but it's so powerful. I've seen this several, several times. I used it, I think, on a Wednesday night months ago in a completely different context. But I saw it again yesterday yesterday being used for yet another context and, and it moved me to tears and, and I, I felt I felt like the Lord pricked my heart and said, that that's what you got to show tomorrow. So I, it's, it's called Every Life Has a Story. You can go ahead and start pulling the lights down and getting this ready. Every Life Has a Story. It's produced by Chick-fil-A, but I want you to watch it in context of what we've just shared this morning. <laughs> We're surrounded by people just like that every day. People who have needs. People with burdens. People who need peace. People who need Jesus. may say to yourself, but I'm not a mind reader. How am I supposed to know that's going on in all these people's lives? How, am I supposed to stop everybody and ask them to share their storage? I, I don't have time for that. I, I can't do that. No, you can't do that. So what do you do? You connect yourself to the One who created them. You get so connected to the Holy Spirit that when you walk past somebody who needs to hear it, He can prompt us. He can nudge us. He can point those people out to us. You think, well, well how do I know when to do that? That's, the, that's called the gift of discernment. Well, how do I know what to say when I feel that? That's called the gift of wisdom or knowledge or sometimes prophecy. Well, what if they're sick? Then God can operate the gift of healing through you. Well, what if their marriage is falling apart? Then God can operate the gift of faith or the gift of miracles through you. Well, what if somebody needs an encouraging word? Then God can operate the gift of exhortation through you. You get the picture? You understand the purpose now? Some of you are thinking, "What? Well, I don't have all those gifts. Look, you don't have to have all those gifts. The Word says the gifts belong to the Spirit. And He works them through whom and however He wants to. Look, not for you not for your comfort zone, not based on your talents or your abilities. He works those in whom and however He wants to for His glory and for His honor and for kingdom purposes. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. The question that we have to ask ourselves today is are we willing to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit so that the work of the kingdom can be accomplished? Because we can't do it any other way. We can't do it on our own. The job is too big. The burden is too heavy. If your heart's after God today, why don't you stand with me please, everybody across the the house. If your heart is after God today and you want to be used to fulfill kingdom purposes, then I invite you to come to this altar this morning and pray that God would fill you with His Holy Spirit. I don't care if this is the first time you've ever heard of anything about a baptism of the Holy Spirit or if you walk in the Spirit every day. We constantly need to be refreshed and renewed because the harvest is still great. There's still more lost than found. There's still work to be done and we need to be refreshed and renewed every day. You're like, Pastor John, I don't understand everything about this whole deal. I don't get this. There's parts I'm uncomfortable with. Hey, join the club. I don't understand it all either. There's parts I'm uncomfortable with. But it's not about you. It's about the kingdom. And if, you're, if you want to be used in the kingdom, then you have to be willing to lay your life down. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you want to see His kingdom come, then you've got to be willing to lay your life down. The invitation is for you this morning. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want to call out to God for the power to work in the kingdom of God, I invite you to come to this altar now as He leads us in worship. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor John Butler at Covenant Life Church in Bremen, Georgia. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.covenantlifebremen.org. We look forward to meeting you soon.